Hi, this is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. I am afraid this is a repeat of episode 45. The original episode 45 was deleted once again by me when things got out of order. Attempting to make things right, I managed to permanently delete them. So, if you already listened to episode 45, no need to ask yourself, have I heard this before? Um, my apologi- apologies for my ineptitude, and uh, next episode we'll be back on track. DV, as the Puritans like to say. DV. Number two, the consideration that God is beforehand with us, with his mercies, should content us. I spoke of this as an aggravation of our discontent, but now I shall use it as a consideration to help us to contentment. You lack many comforts now, but has not God been beforehand with you heretofore? Oh, you have had mercy enough already to make you spend all the strength you have and time you shall live to bless God for what you have had already. I remember reading of a good man who had lived to 50 years of age and enjoyed his health for eight and 40 years exceedingly well and lived in prosperity, but the last two years his body was exceedingly diseased. He had the strangury and was in great pain. But he reasoned the case with himself thus, O Lord, you might have made all my life a life of torment and pain, but you have let me have eight and forty years in health. I will praise your mercies for what I have had, and will praise your justice for what now I feel. Oh, it is a good consideration for us, to think that God is beforehand with us in the way of mercy. Suppose God should now take away your wealth from some of you who have lived comfortably a great while. You will say, that aggravates our misery that we have had wealth. But it is through your unthankfulness that it does so. We should bless God for what we have had and not think that we are worse because we have had thus and thus. We might always have been miserable, and certainly that man's condition is not very miserable who has no other great aggravation of his misery but that once he was happy. If there is nothing else to make you miserable, then that is no aggravation that you may not bear, for there is much mercy in that you had it once. Therefore, let that content you. Number three. The consideration of the abundance of mercies that God bestows and we enjoy. It is a saying of Luther, the sea of God's mercies should swallow up all our particular afflictions. Name any affliction that is upon you. There is a sea of mercy to swallow it up. If you pour a pailful of water on the floor of your house, it makes a great show. But if you throw it into the sea, 
There is no sign of it. <clears throat> so afflictions considered in themselves we think are very great, but let them be considered with the sea of God's mercies we enjoy, and then they are not so much, they are nothing in comparison. Number four, consider the way of God towards all creatures. God carries on all creatures in a vicissitude of several conditions. Thus, we do not always have summer, but winter succeeds summer. We do not always have day, but day and night. We do not always have fair weather, but fair and foul. The vegetative creatures do not always flourish, but the sap is in the root and they seem to be dead. There is a vicissitude of all things in the world. The sun does not shine always on us here, but darkness comes after light. Now, seeing God has so ordered things with all creatures that there is a mixture of conditions, why should we think it much that there should be a vicissitude of conditions with us, sometimes in a way of prosperity and sometimes in a way of affliction? Number five, the creatures suffer for us. Why should not we be willing to suffer to be serviceable to God? God subjects other creatures. They are fain to lose their lives for us, to lose whatever beauty and excellence they have to be serviceable to us. Why should not we be willing to part with anything in service for God? Certainly there's not as great a distance between other creatures and mankind as there is between mankind and God. This is an expression of the martyr, Master Hooper, which we read of in the Book of Martyrs. In laboring to work his own heart and the hearts of others to contentedness in the midst of his sufferings, he has this comparison, and you may put it in mind of it every day, he said. I look upon the creature and see what it suffers to be useful to me. Thus the brute beasts must die, must be roasted in the fire and boiled, must come onto the plate, be hacked all in pieces, must be chewed in the mouth and in the stomach turned to that which is loathsome, if one should behold it. And all to nourish me, to be useful to my body, and shall not I be willing to be made anything for God? For his service? What an abundance of alterations the creature undergoes to be made useful to me, to preserve me. Then if God will do so with me for his use, as he subjects the creatures to me for my use, why should I not rest contented? If God will take away my life, hack me to pieces, put me in prison, whatever he does. Yet I shall not suffer more for God than the creature does for me. And surely I am infinitely more bound to God than the creature is to me. And there's not so much distance between me and the creature as between me and God. Such considerations as these wrought the heart of that martyr to contentedness in his sufferings. And every time the creature is upon your plates, you may think, What? Does God make the creature suffer for my use? 
not only for my nourishment, but for my delight? What am I, then, in respect of the infinite God? Number six, consider that we have but a little time in this world. If you are godly, you will never suffer except in this world. Why, do but shut your eyes, and soon another life is come. As that martyr said to his fellow martyr, do but shut your eyes, he said, and the next time they are opened, you shall be in another world. When he was banished, Athanasius said, it is but a little cloud and it will be over, notwithstanding, soon. These afflictions are but for a moment. When a sailor is at sea, he does not think it much if a storm arises, especially if he can see the heavens clear beyond it, he says. It will be over soon. Consider, we have not long to live. It may be over before our days are at an end. But supposing it should not, death will put an end to all. All afflictions and troubles will soon be at an end by death. Number seven, consider the condition that others have been in who have been our betters. We made some use of this before to show the evil of discontent, but further, it is a mighty argument to work on our hearts, a contentedness in any condition. You many times consider who are above you, but consider who are under you. Jacob who was the heir, both of Abraham and Isaac. For the blessing was on him, and the promise ran in him, yet was in a poor, mean condition. Abraham, his grandfather, was able to make a kind of army of his own household, 300, to fight with a king. Yet Jacob, his grandchild, goes over Jordan with a staff, and lives in a very poor and mean condition for a long time. Moses might have had all the treasure in Egypt, and some historians say of him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him for her son because Pharaoh had no heir for the crown, and so he was likely to have come to the crown. Yet, what a low condition he lived in when he went to live with Jethro, his father-in-law, Forty years on end. <clears throat> Afterwards, when he returned to Egypt with his wife and children and all that he had, he had only one beast to carry him. He went back to Egypt from his father-in-law in a mean condition. And we know how Elijah was fed with ravens and how he had to shift for his life from time to time and run into the wilderness up and down. And so did Elisha. He was many times in a very low condition. The prophets of God were hid in a cave by Obadiah and there fed with bread and water. And the prophet Jeremiah put into a dungeon and oh, how he was used. And it would be endless to name the particulars of the great sufferings of the people of God. In former time, we have sometimes made use of this argument in other ways. The great instruments of God in the First Reformation lived in great straits, in a very low condition. Even Luther himself, when he was about to die, though he was a man of such public use, 
and was a great man in the courts of princes, said, Lord, I have neither house nor lands nor estate to leave anything to wife or children, but I commit them to thee. And so Musculus, who was a very choice instrument of God in his time, though he was a man who was worth even a kingdom for the excellence of his spirit and learning, for he was one of the most learned men of his time, yet sometimes was forced to dig in the common ditch to get bread for his family. What would we do if we were in such a condition as these men were? But above all, set Christ before us, who professes that the birds of the air had nests and the foxes had holes, yet the Son of Man had no place to hide his head. Such a low condition was he in. The consideration of such things as these is very useful. It is likewise useful for men and women of wealth to go to poor people's houses and see how they live, to go to hospitals and to see the wounds of soldiers and others and to see the lamentable condition that people live in who live in some almshouses and what poor fare they have and what straits they are put to. You hear sometimes of them, but if you went to see them, it would not only stir up charity in yourselves towards them, but stir up thankfulness in your hearts towards God. It would be a special means to help you against any discontent. You would go away and see cause to bless God and say, if I were in such a condition as they are in, what should I do? How could I bear it? And yet what reason is there that God so orders and disposes of things that they should be so low in their conditions and I so high? I know no reason but free grace. God will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. These are good considerations for the furtherance of contentment. This concludes episode 44 of, no, this concludes episode 45 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment.